Hello, welcome back. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Emily. We're the executive directors and co-founders of ATX TV. And you're listening to the TV Campfire. This week and coming up through the end of 2021, we're releasing exclusive and original conversations from our season 10 festival that premiered in June 2021. Please enjoy this week's release and tune in both here and on youtube.com backslash ATX TV for even more TV goodness. Without further ado, here's this week's TV Campfire episode from Season 10 of ATX TV Festival. Enjoy. Hello, I'm Emily Gibson, co-founder of ATX TV, and we are in the final homestretch of Season 10 of the festival. What a crazy ride this has been. We hope you've had a good time and that you've discovered some amazing new people, made some new friends, even virtually, and found your new favorite TV show. But... If you haven't found that favorite show yet, don't worry because you're about to. Every once in a while, a new series is announced and we ask the network for it before it even starts filming. This show is one of those rare circumstances and I'm telling you, it delivers. We cannot thank our partners at AMC enough for making this happen. Like all of you, we've been living with an Annie Murphy size hole in our hearts for the past year. But what we were not prepared for is how much we would fall in love with the characters of Allison and Patty and their fearless leader, Valerie. The show is unlike anything I've ever seen, and I've seen a lot. (laughs) You're in for quite the ride, and we're so grateful to be starting that journey with you here now. So with that, I'm going to bring out one of our other favorite people, moderator extraordinaire, Danielle Terciano. Hi. Hi. Gonna leave you to it. And thank you all for joining us. So I'm gonna bring out the fabulous cast and crew of Kevin Can F Himself, creator Valerie Armstrong, and stars Annie Murphy and Mary Hollis in Bowdoin. Hi guys, welcome. Hi. Well, before we get into all of the fun nitty gritty details about the show, I wanna talk about this title. Am I saying it right? Do you want me to say F himself? Cause every time I say it, I wanna say the word and I wanna talk to you Valerie about like what really went into the fight you might've had to get this title to be its title. Uh, first of all, yes, you're correct. It is Kevin can fuck himself. <laughs> 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 I feel free. <laughs> I think it's just more fun to say, first of all. Uh, it, it feels a little cathartic every time I do. And in terms of fighting for it, the network has been so behind the show from its very, I mean, from the beginning. No other network, I, I don't think, would pick up a show called Kevin Can Fuck Himself in a show that had basically two shows in it. Uh, it was a lot to put together and AMC read it the first time and just knew that it was something they wanted to do. Uh, I, I just needed a title that made me laugh. Uh, and Kevin can fuck himself really always did. And, you know, obviously it is kind of spun from another title that may have inspired me during the writing of it. But what kept it around is not that it's, you know, based off of some now defunct sitcom that I I truly don't think about anymore. I think it is such a great encapsulation of what the show actually is, which is it starts off as something that sounds familiar and then the rug is kind of pulled out from under you and you wonder, what is the show? And and we're still sort of wondering, what is the show? But we're finding it out together every day. Right, right. I See, I censored it because I don't know the rules at ATX about what we can say and what we can't say. But since you've all said it, I, I feel better. So at least you did it. It wasn't my fault. Hire me back. Um, anyway. You need to take the blame. 
So, I mean, you kind of already touched on this, like the two shows at once that this show is. Like there's the sitcom, then there's the single camera, which is much more like verite style that we eventually will follow Allison and Patty into. So I want to start with the conceit of those pieces individually. Valerie, did they come to you individually? Like where did you kind of start with designing the different worlds of the show? I started with an image uh, which came to me unfortunately, unlike anything ever has or will again, which is all at once. Um, and I just, I pictured the sitcom who we all know so well. Uh, she's like an amalgam at this point. You know exactly who she is the moment you see her. But she's a little beleaguered, but like takes it all on the chin. And she has this very funny husband. <laughs> you, see his, you see him and you're like, how did that happen? I don't know, whatever. <laughs> And I just imagined this giant laugh track behind a joke at her expense and her walking through a swinging door and then being close on her face and seeing her makeup is more like a mask than anything else. And you see like the cracks in the ceiling and the water stains and the cracks in her, her psyche. And I, that image, it just stuck with me and I imagined her staring straight into the camera and saying, I fucking hate my husband. <laughs> huh. huh. That's that. Can that be a whole sample? <laughs> and now I love it. Let's do it. <laughs> Sign wait, me up. wait a minute. So Annie, she used the word beleaguered. That to me is not maybe the pitch you want to get as an actor when you hear about a new character. So what was the pitch? What was the pitch for you? Like what made you say, you know what? Yeah, she seems interesting. Um, it was beleaguered that was like, where do I sign? Okay. Um, because I, it was so important to me after Schitt's Creek um, and playing, you know, a character for six years. It was really important to me. Um, I think mostly just to prove to myself that I was able to do something else. Um, uh, and I really wanted to do something like as, as large a departure as possible from uh, Alexis. And Alison McRoberts is a real frigging departure from Alexis Rose. Um, you know, working class, uh, very angry, very sad, very unfortunate wardrobe. Um, <laughs> And so it was just, it was just exactly what I was hoping to, um, to jump into next. So mm -hmm. I, I was so thrilled. And Mary Hollis, talk a little bit about Patty in terms of the pitch for her and how much you knew how big her arc would be, given that, you know, stereotypically the sitcom neighbor slash friend doesn't have a whole lot to do. No, I had no idea that Patty was going to be Number two, I had no idea from the pilot that Patty and Allison were gonna have this great journey together. Um, when I, it took me three reads um, it, before I realized that, you know, there was no magical portal that was transporting us from the sitcom world to the um, single cam. The only thing magical that was happening was you were following the wife who <laughs> we never get to see. And so it took me a few uh, reads, but. I almost didn't audition for Patty because I got the script and uh, she is so, uh, she's seemingly so tough 
and so, so judgmental. And while that was such a exciting challenge, I almost talked myself out of it. I mean, I'm a Southern girl with a natural, like resting smile. Uh, Patty is the opposite of that. Um, but my friend talked me into going to the audition and I had such a wonderful time just like turning her, turning Patty on um, and trying to figure out that Boston accent and make the people of Boston not hate me. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's, it's such a proud, it's such a proud town. I did not want to um, upset them, but Patty is uh, much like Allison completely dismissed in Kevin's universe. Um, she's overlooked. She is uh, rarely included. And um, Allison and Patty have more uh, in common than they, they believe. And I think if you go and like witness a, a patriarchal society, women are pitted against each other all the time. And it's assumed that they wouldn't get along for a, a myriad of reasons. And in fact, they really, really end up helping each other out and being each other's saviors in a way. So, and working with any, I mean, I'll just say like Annie Murphy and Valerie Armstrong are my two. Just being in their presence is such a great gift. I'm still a little teary-eyed from Emily's um, introduction of the show. <laughs> and I, I will say that Annie Murphy, you know, is a comedic genius, but what people may not know is that Annie Murphy can do everything. So they're about to see that. Get a room. I was gonna say, they see it now. they'll see it now, you know, this show. <laughs> room, but I do have a palm tree. <laughs> Come on over. So you, you touched on uh, two things that I want to go back to. First being, um, Annie, you were talking about the anger that she carries. And I would, I would say that maybe both of them, both An um, Allison and Patty, have that for different reasons. And I'm curious how you guys approached it, where it's a mask and where it's the thing that drives them that they don't want to let go of. Ooh. Wow. Um, huh. I, th I mean, it is the it is that anger and frustration that Allison has been just shoving down for so many years that is what leaves her that finally erupts because there's no room left in there. And it is what drives her to make this decision, um, this irrational, um, very passionate and um, you know, yeah, not, it's just a, it's a bad choice, but it is really by this anger and frustration that was very easy. I kind of like Mary Hollis have a resting smile face. And so I was like, Ooh, is this going to be kind of like a tricky thing to, to tap into this anger that we, that I need for the part. And um, I very quickly realized, no, 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 it was not hard at all because I think, I think being uh, a human being a human person in 2021, um, you're, you're angry, you're angry and you're frustrated. And um, the first smash of that uh, beer stein was so therapeutic. <laughs> and I just feel very grateful that Valerie wrote in many smashes and punches and, and breaking things because um, I think I think if everyone had access to to breakaway glass, mm. the world would be a much, <laughs> a much more calm and peaceful place. Any for extras, I would I would smash them when we were done. She did yes. utterly yes. for for life. 
Yeah, just for yeah. reasons. Yeah. Um, I think just to like piggyback on that, we spent the first three days in multicam, which was a new genre for me and I think for Annie too. Um, and when you're in that, I always called it a tuna can on a hamster wheel mm. with the laugh track and it was yeah. very frantic. And, you know, Valerie's script teaches you within seven minutes how to watch the show. And once you know better, you do better. And you cannot take your eyes off of this woman who is the butt of the jokes and who's being overlooked, who's being constantly gaslit, controlled. Um, and it that was so frustrating to me to sit on the couch and be complacent in those multicam bits. Uh, the guys were having a hoot. <laughs> I think sure. <laughs> we love our, our our guys are so extremely talented but they were just having a hoot playing you know beer pong and it that definitely helped fuel my rage and um <laughs> made me see things a different way you know we've mm -hmm. grown up with this model mm -hmm. and the model's wrong and Valerie Armstrong's trying to dismantle that right so for all of you, what were your inspirations in doing that? In A, trying to dismantle it, but also kind of needing to borrow from some of the things that came before in order to dismantle it. Are there, can you name sitcoms without offending the people who made them? Or you, do you want to talk about some of the shows that you drew inspiration from either in the writing or in the, in the performances? I think that you can both, I mean, is something that was very, very important to me in making the show and writing the show is that we are not making fun of these sitcoms. Right. We are we are taking issue with certain behavior, but I grew up watching every single one of them. I watched Family Matters and uh, King of Queens and uh, uh, Home Improvement. I watched everything. My mother used to joke that I could tell what time it was by what show was on. <laughs> activity. It's just- It was your sports. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I, we came at that sitcom, uh, from this lens of like, we have to do it right. We mm -hmm. have to make a good one. We cannot joke. We cannot ask anybody to watch 30 minutes of our show, 25, whatever it ends up being in any given episode and, and say like, look how stupid this is. Nobody's going to want to watch that. And also it's just easier. And I will never, I, we decided to make two shows. I don't do anything that's easy. I refuse. So we have to actually do the work of making it good. And I think that we really did, but that also meant, as Mary Hollis said, we had to make it, in order to comment on it, we had to make it true. Mm -hmm. And that means that there were days that these two brilliant women had two lines. And that was frustrating for me too. Like, that's not at all the show I want to make. And there were days where we were so in it that it felt like that was our only show. And then we would go back out into the single cam and like the air and be like, oh, the this, sunlight. Yeah, this is this is what we're doing. And so I think I'm I'm so fine to say like, yeah, I thought of King of Queens and I thought of Jill on Home Improvement. Mm -hmm. Just, oh, man, if there's any woman that you watch, you should have left 10 years ago. It's Jill on Home Improvement. Oh, it sure <laughs> is. Sure is. Uh, but I, I think that you can absolutely draw inspiration from mm -hmm. people. And, and do it in a way that um, doesn't belittle them, but yeah. also issue with the behavior that was exhibited on those shows. Right. I have to confess, I did smash a glass in honor of Aaron Haynes. 
haze. Yeah. 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 I did. I was like, I really, I, she was in my, in my brain because it was, I mean, just, we touched on it a little bit just then, but it was so, it was such an education to be in the sitcom world. And, you know, I, I had one day where I went in and my job was to have steak spit on me over and over and over and over. And by Eric, who was phenomenal and killing the scene and doing all of this incredible physical comedy. And, you know, both Mary Halls and I have had the urges of being like, can we do it now? We'd love to give it a shot. Like, we're all so good. We can do that. But who would we spit on? But who would we spit on? Exactly. But it was so interesting because at the end of that day, Eric got a very, very well-deserved, like, standing ovation and round of applause from the crew. That was the only time anyone ever got a standing ovation and a round of applause. And it it was just, like... It's, I found myself being like grouchy, feeling grouchy about it and like being so grateful that I and Mary Halls and I had the, the single cam to, to, you know, fall back on. And that's where we get to, to show our talent. And, um, but just to really take a think about all of these women who didn't have the single cam to fall back on and just had steak spit on them over and over and mm-hmm. over. Um, in, in front of a roaring crowd. In right. front of a roaring crowd, yeah. It was, a, it really, it has been like a very, a very interesting education in that, that sense. I will say completely like vanity point though, and I think it's really interesting about the show is that, you know, what you see is not always what you get. And I felt as if I looked fabulous in the multicam. <laughs> it's far away, the lighting's <laughs> great makeup looks perfect, step out into the sunlight and it's full armor, which I think is, is the point, but just, sorry, just throwing that in. Yeah. yeah. Positives. <laughs> you, didn't get <laughs> you can't see the roaches in, in multicamp, but they're there in single. Exactly. And I mean, you bring up a good point, though, because you mentioned, you know, doing that all day, right? Or having some days where you had two lines. So this is not, I'm assuming this is not uh, necessarily a show where you had to shoot one episode at a time. I'm assuming you might have been able to block shoot. But correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm curious how that approach changed what you were doing. Like if you did have to do, you know, three days of, of multicam in a row, what was your process like to get into that and then to get out of that where you're not so, well, maybe grouchy helps you for single cam, but just to switch in and out of those head spaces and, and also like the bigness that you're portraying it for the different um, frames. Well, I'm going to speak on both of our behalves, my, both mine and Mary Hollis. Um, we didn't really have to prepare Valerie, don't listen. <laughs> really have to prepare for this for the multicam stuff okay. because we had so little to do. So Mary Hollis and I just, you know, on on multicam days, you know, had a great old time. There was there very low. No there was one day where I had one line, and when you have one line as an actor, it becomes 
you know, the gospel. And I was constantly afraid that I was going to be fired when we were in multicam because I had one, <laughs> you feel like you're not participating. We've already touched yeah. on this, you know, mm-hmm. it's all by design, but the, the line was Kelvin. <laughs> it's not even a line. It's a word. It, it's just one word. And I sw- Annie looked over and I was like malfunctioning in the corner, like Kelvin, 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 Kelvin. What way to say it? I'm we, sorry. We got out of that unscathed. Said I, think, but... I think you said, I think you did. I would say upwards of 50 variations of that name. That isn't even really a name uh, <laughs> over and over. And I, I, we had to like, we had to walk you through it. We had to breathe through it. We had to do a little walk around. Yeah. 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 I had to get out of my head on that one. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, it was a malfunction moment, but yes, I, she's right. We didn't have to prepare. We circled up with the guys mm-hmm. and we read it through and, you know, of course there was, you know, the one line that I couldn't get out, but that, you know, we, we, I think we've prepared way more for our single king stuff. I can confidently <laughs> say that. <laughs> well, you know, when, when I routinely only give you three page single camera scenes, you have to prepare because I'm an <laughs> asshole. It's true. They're, they they kind of didn't like when we would prepare over lunch, Annie and I, because inevitably we would come back and shoot the first take and she would have a Southern accent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we ended up yeah. sounding like Loretta Lynn and Patsy Clyde just having a honky tonk. <laughs> Changing the show. Which, no, but that's that's could have been an interesting way to go. And you did, I, this is the second thing that I never circled back to, but you touched on the accent. So I want to go back to that. I want to start with Valerie and talk about the setting of the, the world of the show. Like what inspired that? And then um, for you as performers, you know, what you needed to do to find that accent. Uh, well, when I, when I wrote it, I thought I, I want, I don't often see people weirdly who I grew up with on television. Um, and that is repressed New Englanders. Um, I feel like, uh, especially that, that kind of socioeconomic class as well is just not mm-hmm. all that represented um, in sitcoms and in, I mean, certainly in, I guess no show like this has quite been done. So I can't even, I can't quite say in our genre. But on the individual pieces of it. Yeah. And so I knew I wanted it to be set in New England. I thought about just setting it in my hometown, but I'm from Connecticut and people hear Connecticut and think fancy. And it is not all fancy. It's great, but it's not all fancy. Um, And so I thought about Boston, which felt a little generic. And then I remembered my brother's college roommate who was from Worcester and had... First of all, he had the greatest accent I've ever heard, which is the words career, like your job, and the country Korea, indistinguishable. He was like, no, 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 no. You got your job, you got your Korea, but then you got the country Korea, completely different. And it's like, Joe, that's a <laughs> He had this fantastic, um, like he knew everything that was wrong with that city. And he knew how backwards it was and and how, you know, New England is, it has a lot of rot beneath it. And yet he had so much weird pride in this place that he was from and loved it so dearly. And I thought, what a great place to set something that has a sheen over it. And then this underbelly of like, of rot. And it just seemed like the perfect place. And it was specific. So Worcester, Worcester it was. You're welcome for the accents. Yeah, I was going to say specific is the best way to describe it because if you're from there, like you'll know immediately, yes, you nailed it or no, that doesn't sound like me. 
but to the middle of the country or even out here in LA, like they may be hearing this accent for the first time. So how did you guys approach this? Did you feel like you needed to listen to a lot of tapes or work with anybody? Like what, what was that like? That's just about finding the accent. And I think I can speak for both Annie and I, when we find it, we'll, we'll, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I am for eight on- episodes in sweating bullets, trying <laughs> to make the people of Worcester proud. And I Valerie am- gave me the line that, you know, I, we're, I, I have to, I'm the one with the line that dogs on Ray Donovan's accent. So it's just a target on my back, just ready. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> what, what do you think, Murphy? I mean, I think that there is a, a distinct possibility that we will no longer be welcome in Massachusetts after this. <laughs> <laughs> um, All it I is, it is to a, go to a Red Sox game. Fear of <laughs> and we, I mean, we were very lucky to have um, a wonderful dialect coach, Charlotte Fleck, um, who who was very, very patient, very hardworking, and. Um, very repetitive in her corrections of our terrible accent, which was very helpful to both of us. But as Mary Alice did mention, um, I came to very, like I had a very rude awakening as we were shooting to realize that I am one of those truly, truly annoying human beings that picks up on other people's accent Mm. and adopts it as her own, which, was problematic because I was hanging out with Mary Hollis all the time (laughs) and there were several times where action would be called and I would just come out with a full southern drawl and we'd both look at each other and be like oh we're gonna start again yeah we'll go again again. okay just Um, kidding just kidding (laughs) but um yeah I think we're still we're still learning and we hope to get a second season in which we will continue to um make the people of Worcester like us. For the, like record, for the record, our crew was local and they came up to me all the time and said, the accents are really good. They're really good on the show. And they don't just- Oh man, you're really laying it down now, Valerie. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, you know, when I, when I started, I, I mentioned this before, but when I started to get worried about the accent, it really is, um, it was a helpful tool as well because Patty sits differently in my voice. The, the accent is an attitude and it's different than mine. And so it's, accent works like wearing a mask though, yeah. truly. And I know we're probably traumatized from the year that we've, we've spent beneath masks, but when you have an accent on, you know, when you have an accent on, um, it's, I found it so much more difficult to emote in an honest way and kind of get to like whatever, whatever anger or frustration or the deeper I went into those emotions, the further away my accent got. So it was, those were kind of hard. And once I realized that the switch is to really use it as an attitude was Mm. helpful. But Charlotte did mention that um, our dialect coach did mention that I didn't have a problem with the car and the park and the garage. I had a problem with I and get. Hmm. <laughs> so it's a little mix up. The whole first part of the sentence is fine, but I got to go get my car out of the garage is a little bit hard. <laughs> it's a tour. It sounded good. That sounded good. I don't know. I mean, I buy it. That's what matters. That's Thank clearly you. what matters. Thanks for being an Austin yeah. good chef. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Although, I mean, I grew up in Brooklyn, so anytime you you need to hear what that sounds like, just call me because 
that's that's a bad one. Yeah. Um, I think I audition. I tried to audition with a New York accent instead of a Boston accent. I think I did the same thing. <laughs> nice. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, there could be transplants everywhere. So and we're well, here. <laughs> we made it. Valerie's like, no, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> um, so you guys obviously have a very good relationship off screen. I want to talk about your character's relationship in the show because, you know, like I said earlier, you know, we don't never we don't necessarily know what to expect in a sitcom world from the friend character. But when once we're in that single camera, they seem like they get on equal playing fields. They take some, I'm not sure how many spoilers we can give, but they take some dark twisty turns. Um, and I've been told that people are calling it kind of a Thelma and Louise relationship. So tell me a little bit about building that. And you know, at what point did you know where it was going, and and kind of how did you find that footing with each other in that in that single cam world versus the multi cam? Well, Mary Wallace and I were lucky enough to fall head over heels in love with each other basically the second we laid eyes on one another. Um, so it always felt like a very we had a very we'd established a very strong relationship right out of the gates, and I think that kind of carries over into the into the characters, um, but I don't know what Mary Hall's t- talk, talk about how special our relationship is. Like, talk our, about Annie. <laughs> our relationship's so special. First of all, we bonded very quickly over the phone because our, our whole beginning part of our relationship happened like this um, during the pandemic, but we bonded very quickly over the fact that neither one of us can uh, use or handle props in a normal <laughs> way. Uh, so that was just great to know. Like if you hand me a set of car keys, I, I don't, I'm going to drop them. I'm not going to, I, it's like, I've never had a car, never had a key. Annie's the same way. Well, wait, I think the character. you never had a car? <laughs> like this is a, this is maybe an, a, another time conversation, but like that was a joke, right? You know, she behaves as if she's never held oh God. or knew okay. it was. It, just, it, it, and with the malfunctioning. It's just, just making sure. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. So, and, but I think one of the hardest things for Annie and I is because we were so bonded in, you know, our off, off camera time that uh, growing that on screen, it, we had to take steps to do that. So mm-hmm. our third, our fourth day on set was, uh, the scene on the porch and they are not, they are not friends um, right. at that point. They are not people who are uh, intrepid and, and, and helping each other out. I think that Patty um, can't stand that Allison doesn't understand that this is, this is what it is. And being a dreamer is really frustrating to, um, to Patty. And once they realize that Patty can be the implementer of Allison's sort of dreams, because Patty has kind of a secret thing going on that helps her get through the day. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's just, the bond is so incredible for the two women, especially in the outside, you know, outside of Kevin's universe, it's mm-hmm. really powerful one. And Annie and I, um, I don't, I think that they do, uh, so compliment each other and then they constantly are switching. And I've said this about Annie before too, in our, our, um, private lives, but we're very close in age. And I sometimes feel like she's the big sister and then I take over and then we just kind of do this, you know, like big sister, little sister. Mm-hmm. 
and we both seek guidance from each other and we both, you know, talk things out. And um, I think that Patty and Allison are, are doing that too constantly once they realize that, that there's free space to do that and that they actually really enjoy each other mm-hmm. and they don't have to have uh, the, the permission of the men or even the presence of the men. And honestly, they've been keeping these guys alive. They're constantly threatening to burn the house down. I mean, I live with my idiot brother and she lives with her idiot husband. And we're just like, what's today going to bring, you know, mm-hmm. while they're howling and hooting around. So mm-hmm. I don't know. They're really, it's really special. I kind of get a little emotional talking about it because Annie means so much to me too, as does Valerie. And they're just, they're special. It's a special thing. And having them lead the show is special too. Yeah. So Valerie, I want to dig into that a little in terms of the creation of the, the evolution of their relationship. Like at what point did you realize how much Allison would need Patty to build that character out? I, when I first thought of the show, I thought, oh, well, that's a good gimmick. I don't know. It's, it's a visual gimmick. And I thought if this is going to be a show, a series, it can't, it can't be the elevator pitch of the show, which sounds very flashy, but there's nothing beneath it. And there were two things to me that made this story worth telling. The first was realizing that the format switch isn't just a visual thing. It is a metaphor. And what it is a metaphor for has, I mean, I had my initial idea of what it is. And it, there are so many things that you can glean from it. I mean, first of all, I think it's a it's a metaphor for the benefit of the doubt that Kevin's have gotten their entire lives mm-hmm. get a multicam audience laughing at all of their shit from the moment they're born and they never have to see real consequences of their of their actions they get to be boys until they are 60 and it's a specific kind of man it's not all men but it is a specific kind of man who's a Kevin I think it's also a metaphor for the rage that women feel for every flaw perceived flaw we have in ourselves that we feel we have to hide and I want, I've said this before, but I, I, my dream is for one woman to watch this and feel like, oh my God, it's not just me. The other thing that made the story worth telling to me was realizing that it's not about a toxic marriage. It is about how women can help each other out of toxic situations. Because I wasn't interested in telling a story about Kevin. I was interested in t- telling a story about women who help each other. It was the summer of 2017 when I wrote this and I was fucking angry. I was really, really angry. And all I wanted to see was women helping women. And that discovery to me blew the show open. That was that was what made the pilot not fun to write. Nothing's fun to write, but it, it made it easier and, and interesting. And it gave the show like a, a drive that I finally was like excited, excited to dive into. Mm-hmm. So in looking at... Um the way their relationship evolves in single camera. Is there a part of the show in the multi-camera version where there are nods to that? Like, do they, can they be self-referential in the multi-cam as they know what they're doing? I can't, I, it's very hard for me to say this without spoiling it, but as they know what they're doing and, and you know, the, the friendship that they're building and the plans that they're making, how does that affect what we see between them in, in multi-cam? Well, we make sure that the multicam is always, it could always air on CBS. If the, For that theoretical CBS audience, it all has to track. 
So we can never cut to Patty and Allison sharing a look okay. that has to do with a single camera thing. Okay. It seems like they're sharing a joke that could make sense to that sitcom. Again, these rules are for me. I just do it to make it harder. I don't. <laughs> but uh, we, we always say, like, if you bothered to notice. If you bothered to look at these two women, they are making eyes at each other in the background, like trying to communicate to each other. But we can never cut to it because that's not what the CBS sitcom would do because I am a masochist. Um, <laughs> and I, I think it's just important that going forward, they, it's never about them. I mean, they, they, things start to change in that sitcom, but a sitcom is inherently conservative. And I mean that in the like simplest form of the word. It is self-regenerative. It, it, it always resets. And I, I think something that we thought of early on that we, I think, executed in the first season is that like, what these two are doing, the eyes they make in the background, the stuff that they're doing off off of that multicam camera does start to bleed in a little bit into that sitcom. And and we get into, again, I'm trying not to spoil anything, but it, it does start to affect character dynamics and mm. people, people within that sitcom, because how could it not? They're not playing the game anymore. Right. They're not holding up their end of the bargain. Right. And the so boys are constantly sucking all the air out of the room in the in the multicam so if you can look past that all the energy that they've got and the, the boisterousness that they've got and notice allison and patty in the corner continuing to bond um then then you do but it's yeah. very wide and we never get our singles and you know well what what did that allow for you guys to do as performers i mean in terms of ad-libbing, improving any of those moments because you're not sure what the audience might see. So how much did you try to force in there? I didn't, I didn't try and force any improv in there. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's I, a serious math problem. It's hard to <laughs> improvise with this stuff. Okay. Yeah, it is. It's, it is tricky because, because the sitcom world is not our world it's yeah. not about us and so to try and like jam in um things that would really stand out like a sore thumb isn't right but I, I do think we had like there were lines that we um kind of as the season goes on there are to each other we have that are are more pointed and more mm. delivered at each other in a more single cam style that maybe no one else will pick up on but instead of, you know, doing the sticky sitcom delivery of a line, we've both chosen to say it more sincerely and more directly. Sure. Um, whether or not people will pick up on that is another story. But but it was helpful definitely to our our character story as the as yeah. the episode. I, I would say too, I, I had a I have a very fond memory of uh, you know, Patty's got her place on the couch in the multicam mm -hmm. and Allison comes through the kitchen door or mm -hmm. the the front door those are the two pathways and fatty like a log never moves off that side of the couch and there's one scene pretty early on in the season where we we got to stand next to each other and it seems so small but for two women who have been at opposite ends of the room you know one moving and doing the chores and cleaning up after the party that i am a part of mm -hmm. um that patty is a part of uh to stand like right next to each other i i thought that that was just that that felt like a that felt like a move 
you know, yeah. it felt like you just don't see them partnering up in that way, you know, and that, that felt like, I don't know, uh, progress, progress. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. 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 So again, I'm trying to avoid spoilers as much as we can, but because such an important part of the show is the realization that Allison has that this is not the right life. Like Valerie, you said it was supposed to be originally in the pilot, the, you know, I fucking hate my husband to the camera. Um, obviously Patty is going to help her take strides to get to certain places, but as what you've also talked about, you know, the sitcom has to stay in its own bubble to a degree. So what does progress look like for Allison in the sitcom? Uh, sorry, in the single co- camera world. Um, well, she thinks that progress looks like killing her husband. Um, and I, I should point out that at no point are we Uh-oh. championing this decision of hers. I am. So well, just we can put that out there. Being like, it's a great idea. Go <laughs> kill your husband if you're miserable. I mean, there's a lot oh. of show. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I think divorce on TV is sad. Murder is funny, right? There's hilarious. As there are more shows about murder than divorce. There for are a reason, probably for a reason. No. So maybe in, maybe in the real world, we're not championing it. I'm saying in the world of the show... Yes. I would think that progress would be eventually she can get there. I know she can't get there in season one. No, she has not want to lose actors, et cetera, et cetera. But so I guess that's, that's part of the question too, is like incremental growth, right? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. I mean, I think to Allison, it's not the, it's not the death of her husband that she is really looking for. It's the ability to continue life like her own life and he has been holding her back from living her life for so long that the only way she can like picture a life a life period is a life without him and so you know murder a bit aggressive but (laughs) um I don't know I just I I, I'm so curious to see Valerie where this is where this is going um I just, yeah, I, I think that this anger and this frustration is so uh, easy to identify with. And as Valerie said, I think if any, if even one woman can, can feel seen and can be, you know, can, can realize that she can make a change in her life, doesn't have to be murder, but can just be, you know, on very much on the other end of the spectrum. Um, but a change, a change for good and a change for herself, then um, this show will be a very, a very great success. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to throw this out there. I mean, Valerie, you do have her say that she wants to kill him though. So like how much of that is a Chekhov's gun situation where it's like, well, do you have to play that out at some point, even if it's just in her head? I mean, we asked the question, so we're going to have to answer it eventually. Absolutely. But I do think, I mean, this is such a, a thing to say in like a network meeting but it's not about whether or not kevin dies it's how allison lives it's mm-hmm. just to me this is the first goal she's ever had that relies on no one else mm-hmm. 
all on her, like moving and um, being uh, going back to school or going to Paris, like all of these things required Kevin's kind of permission and help. And this is the first thing she's ever done that is all on her. And so to me, what was so exciting about that is not whether or not she actually kills him or not, you know, how that happens, but that she's tapping into this agency for the first time in her life. And what does that look like for a woman who's done nothing for 10 years, but hope? And now she's she's done just hoping she's going to try to make it a reality. And that to me is is exciting to watch. And that's where you see me the incremental evolution of her character. Yeah. And also, it's always two steps forward, one step back. I mean, with anybody, it's just like she says in the pilot when she after she slaps the drug dealer, she says, you know what? I'm not sorry. And then he steps toward her. And she's like, no, I am. I am sorry. Like, it's just that is that is the show. That is life. That is that is movement to me. Mm-hmm. Um, before I let you guys go, I just have to ask, because, you know, you've talked about the inspirations from sitcoms where you, you recognize now some of the behaviors that they've gotten away with that are not the great role models that we should have. Do you find yourself watching TV differently? Has this show taught you to watch things differently? 100%. I think after seeing, you know, even after shooting, like reading the script and shooting the script, it wasn't really until I saw that first transition from multicam to single cam that made me be like, oh, and then I could never watch the single cam the same way. Um, I will all, and I've you know now gone back and watched episodes of, I don't know, King of Queens, for example. And <laughs> there is so much misogyny hmm. and bigotry and racism and homophobia that is just shrouded under this laugh track. And it really wasn't until I started working on this show that I, that I realized how, how saturated these, these TV shows are in really, really awful behavior. Um, so yeah, Valerie's ruined the sitcom for me. I can't, <laughs> I can't I, I say like, you know, male led sitcom to like very <laughs> specifically, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, we we've talked we talk about it a lot, but like the we're women are setup machines in a mm-hmm. in a sitcom, and in Kevin can fuck himself. The multicam for the single cam for everything that we get to get into. I think also like I don't think we've mentioned this yet, but the consequences that women that we have to face the consequences of our own actions and also the actions of these men who yeah. are inside Kevin's universe constantly and I love that that commentary from the show too but yeah I, I'm completely watching things differently I will think twice about auditioning for multicams in the future we may not be asked <laughs> <laughs> well, I would also hope that like the multicams of the future are not still doing that you know because shows like this are pointing it out also you know the industry at large is in a reckoning and there are different people creating it there are more women creating it more people of color i would hope that you know if this show lasts for six years and then you want to go do a multicam that multicam is going to look very different yes and spec scripts that writers Mm. send in to get on these in these rooms 
Mm-hmm. Like they're they're writing based off an old yeah. sitcom. Yeah. So yeah, they're, they're going to look similar until we shake that out. Just the butt of the joke doesn't need to be a person of color, a woman, or a member of the LGBTQ community. Like yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to ATX TV's original series, The TV Campfire. To watch these panels and more, please visit youtube.com backslash ATX TV. For details on the festival, go to atxfestival.com. And information on our membership program can be found at atxfestival.com backslash membership. You can follow us on social media at ATX Festival. As always, please rate and review. We appreciate each and every one of you for listening, and a simple click or a brief comment can help us grow and other TV lovers like yourselves find us. Feels like enough information, right? (laughs) Yep. Till next time, keep watching TV. Bye.